Hey there, I'm Adam Demetrician, the lead pastor at Pathways Church in Appleton, Wisconsin. And this is our podcast. I hope this message inspires you, feeds your faith, and ultimately leads you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Well, good morning. If you've been tracking with us, I think you would agree that we are all a part of an invisible and an unseen war. And if you're a guest here today, whether you're in the room or online, then I just want to catch you up uh, by way of quick review, or if you missed any of the messages, let me tell you what we know. Here's what we know. We know that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We also know that our struggle is against evil forces. We know that behind these evil forces are Satan and his demons. And we know that while Satan and his evil forces have been defeated, that the war has been won because of our victor, Jesus Christ. We also know that we engage in battle until the day that Jesus Christ is revealed and full power. We also know that all of us, you, me, every single human being on the face of planet earth is engaged in battle battle. And while I don't know your battle, here's what I do know. We need to be kind to one another because everyone is facing a battle that you know nothing about. We need to be gracious and kind. And while I don't know your battle, I do know Satan's agenda. I know what the enemy wants to do. His end game is to steal people's hearts away from God. He wants to lead you to a spiritual death that will land you in a place that is separated from him from all eternity known as hell. And God, and God wants us to win the battles that we are in. Therefore, we've been talking in this series entitled Be Strong about the equipment, the armor of God so that we can be prepared and protected on the day of battle. So, if you missed any of the messages or if you're joining us for the first time, I would encourage you to go back online and review that content and share it with perhaps a friend who is facing a battle today. Now, as we begin, let me ask you a question. Here's my question. Have you ever wondered what stance or position you should take in the, the spiritual battle that you're currently engaged in? Have you ever thought about the position, the stance, I mean, right now it's football season, right? It's football season. If you want to score update on the Packers, let me give it to you. Oh, I'm just joking. <laughs> I know some of you pause that and you're watching online today. Our numbers are like record-setting numbers online because there's a little game going on. So make sure you mute the game and not me, okay? If you're online, mute the game, all right? But uh, it's football season, and uh, how many of you, by show of hands, a little participation, how many of you are more like college football fans? You're more into college. You like the pageantry of college football. You'd rather... How many of you are more NFL fans? How many of you really don't care about football? Okay, all right, wow, okay. Some of you are clapping, I love it, all right. <laughs> You know, when I first started at Pathways, uh, I kid you not, uh, I would come on a Sunday and it would be a sea of green and gold. And that has changed over the years. So I'm not sure what to make of that, but I'm just gonna keep preaching and being faithful to what God has called me to do. Maybe I ran off all the Packers fans or I don't know what's happening, but it's interesting. Or maybe it's because of all the controversy and NFL stuff. But nonetheless, in football at any level, a player will always take a stance. 
And there are three basic or common stances to take. You can take a two-point, a three-point, or a four-point stance. Now, Laura and I were talking last week, and she said, you know, it would be really interesting to think through, like, what stances or positions we should take in spiritual battle. And she's right. I thought, that is a a great piece of information to know. And so as I was prepping this content, because here's the deal, you don't fight every battle the same way, do you? There's a certain stance, a position that you might take in the specific battle that you're in. And so as I was prepping, the Holy Spirit kept redirecting me back to that conversation that I had with Laura. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because what I wanna do today is I wanna answer that question, what stance are you gonna take? In fact, that's the title of my message. What stance are you gonna take? Now, before we can answer that question, I think it'd be helpful for us to understand what are three basic or common stances in spiritual warfare. So uh, it's important that we know these stances and know when to take a certain stance because it's critical for your victory. And it's worth noting that you might take a combination of these three stances in a single Battle. It's not like one stance for one particular battle. You might switch stances in the course of the battle. Does that make sense? Okay, so let's look at the first stance. The first stance uh, I would label as this, swing the sword. Everybody say swing the sword. Swing the sword. This is an offensive stance that you take in a spiritual battle. If you remember week uh, two of this series, we talked about how Jesus won in the wilderness. Why did he win? Because he used God's word when he faced the battle of temptation against Satan himself in the desert. And if you remember, I told you that the only offensive weapon that we're given is the infallible word of God, the Bible, when we're in spiritual battle. And in Matthew chapter four, Satan came to him and he said, you know what? Why don't you turn these stones into bread? This is a real, real temptation. He had been fasting for 40 days. And Jesus said in verse four, it is written, it is written that man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And then Satan hit him again. And he said, you know what? Here's a high place. Why don't you throw yourself from this high place? Prove that you're the son of God. In verse seven, Jesus also said, it is written do not put the Lord your God to test. And then Satan said, if you would just bow to me, I would give you all the kingdoms. And Jesus in verse 10 says, for it is written, three times, it is written, it is written, it is written, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. When you activate God's word and you replace the lies of the enemy with the truth of the scripture, you are taking an offensive position in a spiritual battle. So for example, in my life, uh, I struggled with fear and anxiety. Fear oftentimes in the area of making decisions. And, and I would freeze in decision-making. Uh, because I would uh, be attacked by the enemy and all these questions would start running through my mind. Some that were normal, natural, and healthy questions. For example, when it came to a decision, uh, what are my options? That's a, that's a good question. But I would uh, run down that rabbit hole, not only what are my options, but how do these options play out? And I'd wanna do all the analysis on the options and I would get paralyzed by fear because I would start asking myself, well, if I make this decision and it's the wrong decision, how is that wrong decision gonna impact, negatively impact people around me? And oh, by the way, what are those people gonna say about the wrong decision that I made? 
And I would have all of these thoughts and really lies from the enemy. And you know what happened? I began to make decisions out of fear and anxiety versus confidence and trust in God. So here's what I had to do. I needed a couple swords. I needed to swing a sword. I needed all different sizes and shapes of swords. I need it, in fact, in first century uh, Roman culture, a centurion would have a big sword, but also would have daggers, small little daggers to get in close hand-to-hand combat. And so a couple swords that I had was, one was 2 Timothy 1.7, for God did not give me a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. I had to just speak that toward the enemy when I was paralyzed with fear around making a decision. Or two little verses in Psalm 25, it's a trio, it's a repetition of prayer that would say to God, God, show me, teach me, guide me. Show me, teach me, guide me. Show me your way, teach me your truth, guide me in your will. It was just a way. And you know what would happen when I would swing the sword, when I would say to the enemy, those are lies from you. I know God has given me confidence and trust in him. When I would swing the sword, this, the fear would subside and be a level in my head. I'd have some, some clear head space to make a God-honoring decision. As an example of how we swing the sword, swinging the sword. The second stance is stand firm, stand firm. Did you know that this was the default stance for spiritual warfare in the New Testament? Let me show you. In our key passage, Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 17, in these eight verses, Paul says four times, four times he references this stance of standing firm. This is a defensive stance. This is what he says in verse 11. He says, stand against the enemy. In the first part of verse 13, he says, stand your ground. In the second part of verse 13, he just says, stand. And then finally, when you've done everything you possibly can do, Paul says this in verse 14, stand firm, stand firm. See, when we stand firm, there's strength in standing. What we're saying is that I'm gonna be immovable in the spot. I'm gonna be strong. There is strength in standing. Don't, don't mistake in yourself. It takes a lot of courage and strength to stand in a battle. That's why God says, I want you to equip. I want you to, to, to dress yourself with the armor of God. In fact, in week three of our message series, we talked about the six pieces of armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the speedy shoes of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. Out of those six pieces of armor, five of them are defensive in nature. They're meant for the express purpose of not only protection, but to stand, to stand firm to say that there is a place in battle where all you do when the enemy attacks you, listen, this could be in your workplace, this could be in a classroom, this could be in a situation where you've spoken your peace, you've said what you believe, you're gonna live your conviction, and the battle rages on, and all you do is you stand and you stand firm. And I wanna encourage somebody here today that, that while you might feel like you're not winning the war, I want you to know when you stand in your standing, there is strength and you can rest in the peace and the protection of God. So Paul says, 
to stand. Now here's uh, the third. We have swinging, we have standing, and now we have surrendering. Had a staff member this week, they said, is there ever like a position where you just surrender? And I'm like, no. I didn't say that. I just said, uh, well, yes, we surrender, but we don't surrender to the enemy. We surrender it over to God. Sometimes, how many of you know that there's just a moment, there are some battles that you fought and you fought and you fought and you're just like, you know what? I've won the victory in this battle and the enemy is bringing this to, to my attention again. And you know what I'm gonna do this time? I'm going just to surrender that over to God. Why? Because you don't have the energy or the time to, to, to really participate in commenting or fighting that battle. For example, this could be in the context of relational hurt. Let's say somebody betrays you or falsely accuses you of something. Listen, sometimes you don't have time to answer that or to respond to that. This could be, have you noticed these days that people get really uh, pretty um, uh, angry about politics and what's going on in our world today? Anybody notice that? Is that just me? Okay, okay, all right, all right, good. Just making sure. Sometimes people will devote so much attention to what is going on in the White House, they forget about their own house. And sometimes when you expend all your energy on a problem or something that is so grand and large, I'm not saying uh, that we shouldn't be engaged. I'm not saying that we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying we shouldn't know the issues and we shouldn't understand what's happening at a national level. But at the end of the day, we're called just to pray and lift up our leaders and speak our peace and to live peaceable and quiet lives. That's what Paul says to Timothy. And then we just simply surrender it over to God. Because we know that ultimately God is supreme and God is sovereign and God didn't choose a country. God chose a church to lift up the message of Jesus Christ. And so we surrender it and we give it to God. Listen, I, have a, I don't know about you, but I need all the energy I can to take care of the house that I'm in. I have two beautiful daughters and a wonderful wife, but the enemy is attacking my house, my family. I need to make sure that protection and the battle that rages right there that I'm prepared, equipped, I'm fired up and focused and staying the course when it comes to being a husband and a father and a follower of Jesus and a leader in his kingdom. Sometimes it's just purely surrendering and not expending energy on battles that you simply can give to the Lord. This would be in the vein of the scripture out of 2 Chronicles chapter 15 when, when uh, the writer says this, for the battle is not yours, but God's. You will not have to fight this fight. Did you know that there are some fights, there are some battles that you're not, you're not meant to fight? You, you can just say, God, I'm giving, I'm surrendering, I'm giving that one to you. All right, so back to our original question. How do we know then what stance to swing the sword, to stay firm, to, to, to surrender to God or multiple stances? In the, how do we discern? What are the ways in which we can begin to discern to know the stance that we should take? Let me give you three ways. The first is this. We are called to stay in God's word. Friends, God's word is a bottomless book. 
We can, you and I could spend a thousand years. Have you ever read God's word, meditated on it, memorized it, and the truth and the riches and the nuggets that you find in his word, they might be different when you're in your 30s and when you're in your 60s, you'll see something different. Or in a particular battle, the Holy Spirit will speak to you or you'll find riches. You could study this for a thousand years and barely begin to scratch the surface of the truth and the wisdom and the nature, the, the, the power of God as he reveals it in his word. God's word is the surest way that you can know his game plan and the stance that you need to take as you are in the battles that you face today. Why? Because as you meditate, as you read, God's word reads you and he begins to share thoughts and ideas and wisdom with you for the battle that you're in. Why? Because not only is this a bottomless book, friends, this book is the only book that is alive. This book is a, this is a living book. This is a, a living book. This book right here, the words that God has given to his kids, to all of humanity is alive. In fact, let me throw that scripture up for you. Hebrews 4.12 says this, for the word of God is what? Say it with me. It's alive. Not only is it alive, it's active. It's so active that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And what does it do? It divides joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our lives. It's God's word. It's God's word. That's why we study, we meditate, we preach God's word here at Pathways Church. We build our lives. This is the authority. This is the guide. This is the ultimate voice for our practice, our belief, our theology. Everything hinges on God's word. The, the second uh, way that we discern what stance to take is by listening to the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus, this is great news. Jesus wants you and me to have peace and clarity for the battles that we fight. He does. In fact, uh, when he rose from the dead, this is what he said to his first followers in the first century. And this is what he says to us in the 21st century. Listen to Jesus's words in John chapter 20. He said this, he said, peace, peace and clarity, peace, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. So not only does he give his followers divine peace, he says, now you're sent on a mission. And then he says for this mission, verse 22, with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, why was that significant? Because what Jesus was doing was saying, as I'm sending you on mission, there will be battles before you, but I'm giving you the inner witness of my spirit. My spirit is going to live inside of you. He is going to be your guide. He's gonna be your guide. That's why the, the gospel of John says, he is called the spirit of truth. Why is that significant? Out of all the names, he could have said the spirit of power, the spirit of, of certainty, but he names, he, Jesus says, he's the spirit of truth. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will never lie to you. And the Holy Spirit will never go in disagreement with what God has already given to us in his word, right? So the spirit won't, won't lie. And he is given 
us, the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us to guide us in our battles to know I have to just stand firm right here. That's why a beautiful prayer is to say to the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit in this battle. Give me the desire. Give me the the wherewithal. Breathe into me your power and your presence to know what stance to take. I I can't do this alone. I, I need you. Spirit of God, you're living inside of me. Any suggestions on a stance that you would have for me? That's that kind of relational prayer in the heat of a battle you can make and pray to the Holy Spirit. That's why it's important, as we sang about earlier in worship, we have to make room for those conversations. Not only do we lay our burdens down, but we lay our battles down. Holy Spirit, do do I need to surrender? Is this what you're saying to me in this moment? I can't fully describe how that happens. That's a very personal and private, but it's a very deep and moving moment when you feel like the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Don't miss that. That's a powerful thing. And not only is it staying in the Word, not only is it listening to the Holy Spirit, but the third way is seeking wisdom in community. You know, I loved when uh, Pastor Nathan today told us to look around and lock eyeballs with people around us. I really enjoyed that. Some of you are a little bit more introverted. We're like this, stand firm, stand firm. Don't look, don't look. I'm just joking. Some of you are extroverted. You were like this. That's kind of me. I saw uh, somebody in the back. I saw Jill in the back and I, and I turned around and I was looking at Jill and I went like this. And she was like, and then I got out of worship. I was sitting with Laura and I was coming back uh, around stage and I looked back and I didn't see Jill and Ryan back there. And I thought, man, did they leave? I was like, uh-oh, maybe that was a little too much right there. And they just moved closer. That's all. Just heads up. But there is not only connection in community, but there is wisdom found in community. And you know why? Look, look, look. The battle that you're in, somebody else has probably gone through that battle or knows someone who has dealt with that battle. And when you're in a circle, there is wisdom that can be shared among believers in different seasons of life. That's why it's so important. If you're in your 20s or 30s and you're a young parent, find somebody who's a little further along and go to school on them. Find wisdom. Look at, look at how they're raising and, and find wisdom in that. I love the way Solomon writes this in Proverbs 13, 20. He says, walk with the wise and become what? Become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Gain wisdom. Friends, you weren't designed to do life alone. The Christian, the Christian walk was never meant to be done in isolation. We were designed for community, not just community in a service where we look around and we say, oh, that's awesome, but a community where we regularly gather and we begin to to share and to pray for each other and support one another. And we find those relationships that begin to, to shed wisdom and light in terms of spiritual warfare and the stance that we need to take. 
And you know what I love about community? You know what I love about what Paul is, is demonstrating for us in Ephesians chapter six? He not only says this is good for, for all of you in the book of, of Ephesians, this is not only good for you, all you church members in Ephesus, but I need this too. Like I, I need to find wisdom in community and support in community. I don't know about you, but I love to see the humanity of the biblical heroes that we read about and that we preach about and that we, that we, we gain so much wisdom from. I mean, the Apostle Paul, King David, Queen Esther, Deborah, the judge, the prophet of all prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah. Like, I'm so grateful that they're human. They're, they're just like you and me. And as I was studying this week, there was a brand new gem that I found that I've never seen in this passage before. And it so spoke to me because one of the concerns about preaching a message on being strong or a series, I should say, is that we can get so locked into our personal battles and we forget the bigger cosmic battle that's going on between good and evil and the gospel and the victory that's found in Jesus Christ. Not just for us personally, but corporately, communally, from a community standpoint, and from a worldwide standpoint. Because how many of you know that sometimes, sometimes the battle is not about you. Sometimes you're fighting for someone else. Sometimes somebody's calling you or reaching out to you and they're asking you to be strong on their behalf. For some of you, it could be a kid in a classroom. For some of you, it could be a grandchild. For some of you, it could be a coworker, a friend. It could be the poor. It could be the marginalized. It could be those who need justice. It could be somebody that you're burdened for and they reached out to you and they're saying, would you be strong for me? And this is what Paul says to the Ephesians. He says, will you be strong for me? Let me show you last uh, two verses here that I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter six, verse 19. Paul says this, pray also for me. Paul's not too proud to ask for prayer, are you? You know, one of the battles that we lose as we mature in faith, sometimes we lose the battle of pride because we think we know it all, seen it all, heard it all, and we got the answers to everything. And we become too prideful and we become too uh, puffed up to say, you know what? I'm in need of prayer. I need strength. I need God's grace. Paul's not too pr prideful to pray. He says, pray, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So this window into Paul's heart, what is this telling us? You know what it's showing us? It's showing us that, that if we would ask for these kinds of prayers, imagine if we were to pray these, these requests that Paul is asking of the Ephesians, how strong, how sturdy, how holy we would be as God's people, as his church here at Pathways. But Paul makes a couple requests. He's in three battles. Let me just unpack them for you quickly. The first battle is this. Paul's request is simply his battle for boldness. He prays for boldness. 
Twice in these two verses, he says that he would be fearless. Fearless not so much in proclaiming the gospel, but fearless in being bold for the gospel. Now, can we just pause for a moment? Let's just pause. This is the Apostle Paul that we're talking about. This is not Thomas. Do you know in the New Testament, what's Thomas's nickname? Doubting, doubting. This is not doubting Thomas. Like if it was doubting Thomas, I could get, you know, man, I need to be bold. No, 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 no. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul who took the gospel to the entire known world of the first century. This is the Apostle Paul that traveled 10,000 miles on three missionary journeys. He planted 15 to 20 churches. He wrote half of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 14 of the 27 books. He was in prison. He was beaten on his own account. This is what he writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stone. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. Listen, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. He's been in a lot of danger. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And on top of all of this, my concern is for you as the church that I have planted. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like a guy who needs boldness. That sounds like a guy who put on a clinic when it comes to bravery for the gospel. And yet Paul says, I need boldness. I need to be bold. I need to make sure that my energy and my passion for for a bold, clear witness to who God is in my life, I need to be bold. Imagine if we had this kind of boldness. Imagine if we were bold in our relationships. Not brash, but bold. Bold for what? For the gospel. His second battle, his second prayer request was for the battle, for the gospel, specifically for the mystery of the gospel. What's the mystery of the gospel? The mystery of the gospel is that God unites all people. He unites people from different continents, with different colors, different cultural differences, from different backgrounds, socioeconomic genders. He brings people together under one bridge, one cross, one baptism, one God, one church, one name. At the name of Jesus Christ, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the mystery of the gospel. And Paul says, I wanna declare, it's the battle for the gospel. Paul says, I don't wanna water it down. I don't wanna back away from it. I want to declare that Jesus Christ is the only person that can set us right with the heart of the Father. That you were lost in your, in your sin. Why? Because you chose to, to go a different way from God's original design for your life and for my life. And when we went our own way, it led to our brokenness. And we thought we could fix ourselves. We were crazy. We, we, thought, we thought, 
a pill or we thought uh, another person or we thought whatever could fix ourselves, but really in actuality, it just led to more brokenness. Our own power, our own strength, our, our degrees, our, our own accomplishments could fix what was broken inside of our heart. And yet, we couldn't. So God in his grace and mercy sent Jesus Christ who came in grace and truth and hung on a cross. That's the gospel to save us. And when we repent and believe, we now have the power to recover and to pursue God's design for our lives where there's protection and blessing and covering and guidance so that we can be his voice in our world. You know what that looks like? That looks like a united people under expressed through the faith of Jesus Christ, accompanied by humble works done in Jesus's name. That's the kind of power that we have. That's the battle for the gospel. And finally, Paul prays for the body of Christ. Why? For health, for protection, yeah, maybe. But he prays for the body of Christ because the church of Jesus Christ, and when I say the church of Jesus Christ, I'm not, I'm not just talking about Pathways Church. I'm talking about every church that lifts up the name of Jesus Christ, that teaches the Bible, that believes in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, the creeds of the church, as well as the power of the Spirit, active, the gifts, That that church, listen, friends, this is super important. We, the people of God, is the way in which God has designed from the beginning of the foundations of the world that his heart would be known to people in our world today. It's through the people of God. The people of God are the church. It's the church of Jesus Christ. It's not this building it's not a space, it's not a location, it's a people whose hearts are committed to God. And he says, we need to pray for the body of Christ. The body of Christ here at Pathways. What would it mean if we were praying for each other when it came to boldness and to, to, to show the mystery of the gospel that we were united, that the enemy tries to divide and that Jesus brings healing and restoration. That's why Paul says we were given the ministry of reconciliation in Corinthians. That's why we as the, the body of Christ here, we have the privilege of being a source of hope, a, a light on the hill, a place for those who are lost and, and broken and they just need a family. They need to belong, a place of power where people can use their gifts and their resources and, and their passion and their heart to extend God's kingdom, to establish it through a group of people who are unique and different and yet united through the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. Like we as the church here at Pathways online in different parts of, of our nation and around the world, we are committed to the gospel reaching here, there, and everywhere for kids and for students, for, for people of all different color and languages. We have the gift and the message of Jesus Christ to be that kind of church. Imagine, imagine if Paul were here today, he would say, would you pray? Would you pray for churches like this? Oh, I didn't say this first service, but I'm gonna say it this service. 
Uh, if you have a Bible or a, 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 a mobile device, couldn't think of it. Look up Ephesians 3. Look up Ephesians 3. There's this beautiful camera operators. I'm going to kneel in just a minute, so you're going to have to follow me. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says this. Every time I think of you, I kneel. I think it's 314. I kneel and I pray that you would be strengthened in your inner person, in your inner being. I believe if Paul were here today in the 21st century, I believe he would get on his knees and he would pray for us as a church and he would pray for you specifically as a human being and saying that you would be strengthened in your inner being, that you would know the breadth and the depth and how high and how wide is the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And he would say to us, he would say, I plead with you, please don't forfeit your divine calling and mandate and mission to take the message of Jesus Christ to the Fox Valley. Start with your friends, start with your family members, have a spirit of boldness, declare it in love and humility and grace. Give, serve, love. His friends, the battle rages on until Jesus Christ is revealed in full power. So with that, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray in a word of closing prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today, for the truth of who you are. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak. Even in this moment, God, I, I just sense your Holy Spirit stirring hearts. I'm so grateful, God, that not only is your word alive and active, but your Holy Spirit, his presence is real. And I believe that you're speaking to people here today. If you're here today and you just, God's drawing you in and calling you to something deeper, a deeper expression of your faith, I don't know what that looks like. Maybe listening, having that peace and clarity to listen to the Holy Spirit and what stance you should take. Perhaps it's the realization that you're in a season of your life where you're fighting for someone else. And so you just want wisdom and guidance and praying for that person and serving that person. Maybe it's boldness. Maybe it's... uh, You know God has placed somebody in your path and you need to share the love of Jesus Christ, the gospel. You need to invite that person to pathways. Maybe it's just a place of, God, I need to stay and meditate on your word. I need to continue to make that a commitment. Maybe it's, I need to find community I need to seek community in the lobby today. There's opportunities for you to meet up with small group leaders and get into community so you can find wisdom, wisdom. I don't know what it is and who you are, but I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is speaking. So Holy Spirit, would you just share? Give some direction to download for individuals today, either online in this room, God. Would you do that? Now, if you're here today and you want to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Like you heard the gospel and you're like, you know what? I'm in my brokenness, Adam. I, I, have, I have attempted to fix my life and I can't. I need 
a divine power. I need God expressed through the grace of Jesus Christ, his forgiveness and grace. It's available to you today. He loves you so much. Jesus loves you. He wants to be in relationship with you. All you need to do is to say, Jesus, forgive me. By faith, I place my trust in you. If you're here today, if you're online and you're watching, then you can just simply, I'm giving my life to Jesus. Tell someone, chat moderator, email our church, info at pathwayschurch.us. Let us know, let somebody know. This is the most important decision that you can make. This has eternal implications. If you're here today and you wanna accept Jesus Christ, you're in the room and you wanna make a decision for Jesus Christ, would you lift your hand, raise your hand right now? I wanna acknowledge you. And then from there, yep, I see your hand. Thank you. Yes, I see your hand. Who else? Anybody else? You wanna make a decision for Jesus Christ? Yes, thank you. I see your hand. Then let's go ahead and pray together as a church family. Would you pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. You have a design for my life. You know me perfectly. And you love me continuously. So today, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I place my trust in you. I receive the gift of salvation by faith. Nothing that I can do, but everything you've done, I receive that. In Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed to this prayer said, amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate individuals today giving their lives to Jesus Christ?